M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. Hard-bodied, sweaty, hairy Italian man. This is M. Salation. My body did less great things, but it still did the job. <laughs> He's a refined diva. I'm like a dumpster fire, batshit crazy diva, and he's a refined diva. Easily the trashiest thing M has ever, and this is really saying something. You're in m Stephanie was also an unpaid advisor to Melania. I think I could probably claim that status in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, legend. Welcome to m Welcome to a fresh new week. I'm feeling really positive and optimistic. The numbers have been really low in Melbourne. We've had some sunshine I got surprise, surprise, day drunk over the weekend. God, I'm still paying for it. But no, I don't know. I'm just feeling like the mood has lifted. I think collectively Melbourne, we can smell it. We can see it. It's working. I don't know. And I really had a long, hard think this morning about that there's this saying that if you if you're being grateful you can't be you can't be grateful at the same time as being negative like your head space can't be in the same spots do you know what i mean did i say that right you know what i mean like if you're thinking about all the things you're grateful for it's impossible to also feel negative and bad and like a victim i guess so and sometimes i do find myself straying into victim territory sometimes i catch myself feeling hard done by or like the world is attacking me <laughs> do you go through those times and it's usually when I've got PMS and I look back now as a teenager and think about all the times I didn't even realize it was my hormones where you just feel like you've gone to war with every single person in your life people previously you thought were on your side they're all against you you're fighting with everyone anyone you come across in a shop is rude yeah I go through those phases not so much anymore because I think I'm way more self-aware But I have been thinking about all the things I am grateful for out of lockdown. Because if I don't do that, it'll swallow me whole. And I thought about, I have spent so much one-on-one parenting time with Elio, my 21-month-old. He has had Scott and I hardcore co-parenting, the best of us, because I honestly know myself, I would have been on tour. I, I would have filled this year with work and just you know, parented around work. And and obviously I work to support my family, but, you know, most of the times my work takes me away and I'm tired or I've got to think of something or I've got to make something or write something and, you know, I don't give Elio my best. Whereas I think this lockdown has allowed me to give my best to Elio and also to my big girls. I've been able to kind of tune in more to them because I think about, God, my daughter, Marcella, my eldest daughter, she turned 18 at the end of last year. And think about your first year out as an adult. What did you do? God, <laughs> thinking about what I did. She hasn't been able to go to nightclubs or see bands or go on, you know, weekends away with her friends. All the things that is fun about being an adult for that first year of being able to be autonomous from your family. She has either been working or home doing uni. She's been with us every weekend and I feel like I'm really grateful for lockdown because it's given me an extra year with my now adult daughter. It's allowed her and I to get to know each other properly as kind of equals, as adults. And I don't know, I'm so glad. And also it's given her and Elio time together that I don't think they would have had at 18 and one and a half They've now formed this incredible bond because she's here when he wakes up. She's awake in the morning. She's not sleeping off her night out. So I'm grateful for that. And, you know, also with Odette doing her homeschooling, Odie's really arty and she loves creating. And the school has been so great in tailoring work for her 
that I think that wouldn't have happened if she was just they were just going about the normal curriculum. She would have just slid in. But I spoke to her teachers and they were very receptive. And to help Odie get through this year, you know, a lot of the stuff that she's been doing has been about creating, involving maths, involving science, involving English. So she's probably had a better year academically than she would have had if she was at school. I think that my marriage is ultimately stronger as well. I mean, we went through it. <sighs> Let me just express to you. We went through it, as I'm sure a lot of you did. But it really kind of illustrated my flaws in the relationship. And I realised, and Michael and I will chat a bit about this, I was seeing my husband as an adversary, not a team member. And that was on me. And I think I was giving those energies out as soon as I got up in the morning. And I've kind of stopped doing that. And we're now working together to achieve stuff each day rather than me thinking about the ways in which he's trying to make my life hard. (laughs) So I guess, you know, as as I think this time is drawing to a close, I mean, I think we're going to move into a new normal. I am grateful for it. I mean, obviously, I wish coronavirus never happened. I wish, you know, the hundreds of thousands of people who have tragically died from it didn't. But I think in order to survive, my brain has to go to that place of, okay, but what have I learned and gained from this time? It can't have all been in vain. It can't have all been bad. I've done so much growing as a person and um, realising all the dark corners of myself that I need to put some light into. The running, starting running has been life-changing. I mean, I've always been a runner. I've always been an athlete, but I forget about how good it is because, you know, I get in a rut. So I guess I encourage you to try and maybe reframe some stuff if you're, you're again feeling another week of, God, lockdown. Because I do believe we're getting to the end of it and I do believe – Personally, I'm going to come out of this better than when I went in because I've had to stop and slow down and stop wearing busy as a badge of honour and look around and take stock. And this podcast wouldn't have happened if it weren't for lockdown. And I'm so grateful because at the very bare minimum, it gives me quality time with, besides my family, the most important human in my life, my best friend, Michael Lucas. It he is so busy and I am was so busy that we, we only kind of got to text here and there. But we get to sit down and have two quality debriefs a week and that has been so special for me and I think for him. So, um, yeah, there you go. There's my gratitude <laughs> intro. I bet you regret telling me you, you miss my little intros where I think about the things I've learned. It's like the end of Sesame Street where, you know, you go through. <laughs> anyway. Well, what have we got for you today? We obviously want to talk about the death of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, incredible uh, Supreme Court judge in America, obviously, trailblazer for women, instrumental in so many things happening to make women's lives better in the States. Specifically, we focus in on her love affair with her husband, Marty. It's really lovely. We talk about Miley and Liam. You know, you know, I do keep a close eye on them. We talk about John Peter Farnham, which is weird because we haven't done that yet. So there's a lot to get to. Thank you for listening to my ramblings. Oh, we have a sponsor this week. How exciting. Give eBay a bit of kudos. All right. Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. All right, we've decided we need to not come in dry with all the political obsession, so we're going to just wet the lips, so to speak. (laughs) (laughs) Wet the lips? Like when you lick your your lips lips before eating something or Uh, some other activity? No, but just like 
just like, you know, just pepper it in. Let people know that the closer we get, so what are we, 45 days out from the election, something like that in the US, um, just <laughs> as we get closer, it's just going to get more and more about it. We can't hide it. I mean, our text messages swing from do we like Gaga's new offering to Mitch McConnell is a total fuckface. So I just feel like okay, to, sure. be, to be true to the essence of insulation. <laughs> our listeners will get a political blowjob, but our lips will be wet. That's what we're saying. Yes, perfect. Well, there's a courtesy finger at least. <laughs> oh, God. shit. Anyway, uh, in in what is a strange segue, obviously, I mean, a lot of people, you either knew it or you didn't. Uh, we, We lost a great, we lost a great woman, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She was, she led the way in gender equality. She, she was one of the, the second, was she the second ever female? Yes, that's all right. Justice elected. Um, she passed away of cancer at 87 and I just watched Donald Trump's reaction to finding out she died. Have you watched that yet? The one where he's on the tarmac about to get on the plane? Yeah. yeah. That one? Yeah. 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 He just died. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. I just, uh, you're telling me now for the first time. She led an amazing life. What else can you say? She was an amazing woman. Whether you agreed or not, she was an amazing woman who led an amazing life. I'm actually sad to hear that. I am sad to hear that. He said he was sad. But uh, do you think he was sad? Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a strange one. I mean, he, he, he's certainly going to replace her as fast as he possibly can. So, uh, look, I don't know. Sometimes he does have, you know, I mean, he respected Hillary Clinton at one point. There's all these interviews of him raving about her. Yeah. So I think it was possible that in that moment when he first heard it, maybe his first thought wasn't the political implications of this and he did first. I mean, he likes badasses and she was in her own way Mm. a hell of a badass. She was. So, So maybe there was an element of, truth in there. I don't know. I looked at him very close. I, I almost fell over clicking on the link because I mm. wanted to see. And he did. I don't know. I felt like maybe that was a genuine kind of sadness. But I mean, if, you, if you're not sure, here are her headlines. She got through the right to sign a mortgage without a man, the right to have a bank account without a male co-signer, the right to have a job without being discriminated based on your gender, and the right for women to be pregnant and work. Uh, and then once the kids came to continue to work. So she did lead the way in gender equality. And she was in a quiet, methodical, kind of like you, in a sense, when you get in arguments. Like I, I was I, wondering if you'd pick up on that. Her yeah, whole strategy, don't get it. yours. Yeah. <laughs> when I was watching, I was watching her fight her very uh, and and when she would come when she would swoop in during arguments when when cases were brought before her they was she just her voice never changed it, ne- it she, but she was able to just vibe in with the facts that she was well across mm. and i did think and i did say to my husband we were watching um the rbg doco that is on abc and you should everyone needs to go and watch it it got nominated for an oscar as we were watching it, I just said to him, that's very Michael. Her whole ethos is very Michael. Be well-researched and don't yell. <laughs> I mean, there can be a place for anger and, <laughs> uh, you know, unbridled passion about things. But, no, I, I, I agree. <laughs> I like her methods. She was teaching her granddaughter to maintain them. I think she would have been horrified at Rage and Rainbows. <laughs> 
I don't think it was her. She loves an opera. Although she, you know, she likes to be on stage for an opera. Did you see that bit of the doco? Incredible. I sure did where she shaded Trump 15 times. That mm. was amazing. But she, um, the thing that I, I guess before we get to her love affair, we do need to, I guess, explain that obviously she was a, a Supreme Court justice and they need to name a replacement and it's going to 100% be conservative. Trump wants that. Everyone and, – and for him, it shifts focus from corona as well. Do you know what I mean? Yes, although the Democrats have found a way that it doesn't because the next thing that comes up is, of course, healthcare. And so mm. you, can, you can turn it into a corona uh, issue. If you've, if you've been positive for coronavirus, then that is a pre-existing condition. So this, there are consequences of this that tie back, but it's oh. a little bit of a stretch. But, yeah, I know, and, and it's typically very, very motivating for conservatives to stack the court with people mm. who are against abortion and against healthcare. Well, if they get a conservative in, it'll be 6-3 in favour of conservatives, which is terrifying. And and just so you know, if everyone listening, that bench rules on gun control, abortion, healthcare, same-sex marriage, all those things could all be reversed in the way of conservatives if they get the majority. It's horrifying. It's like everything that she worked for her whole life in in the dying weeks of the Trump presidency could be reversed. And in 2020, there is a chance that abortion could be made illegal in the United States of America. Yeah. Well, I mean, hopefully it would just revert back to the states can rule on it. So some states it'll be. Hopefully. But, um, yeah, I know. It is really terrifying. And also the other thing that's a bit terrifying about it is the last time we had a Supreme Court... Um, battle was the Brett Kavanaugh nomination. We yeah. all remember, like that basically tore America apart. And at the mm. moment, they're already in the middle of a highly mm. contentious election to throw this on it as well. And if we, we end know. up with a position where there's no clear winner oh. and the court is in the balance, it's That's just- my tip. That's my tip. That's what's going to happen. She it's said it be- here. Yeah, like Bush v. Gore. Remember how that was messed that up. That was a month Gore. of hell. <sighs> and Gore lost by one. In the end, that's one all state. it takes. One well, state. Yes. No, no, and and that's all it t- could take. And I promise you, I'm telling you, there will be no president elect this year in the states. There, I said it. The magical oh. unicorn of death has trotted out again. <laughs> she switched her mane. I'm and telling she's you, fear in your heart. <laughs> That, that they won't. It will be a shit fight. It will be a dumpster fire. Whoever loses will kick up the like the mail fraud potential for mail in voting. Russian hackers are already apparently attacking Twitter, and anyone who even mentions Biden gets a thousand bots thrown at them. Mm. Well, it's so personal this time as well because I mean, Ooh. Bush versus Gore. It wasn't like no. abortion was was in in the balance. Like yeah. it, it, it is horrifying how passionate. I mean, people feel appropriately passionate about it, but if it's undecided, oh. Oh, my God. I know. And I was thinking about it. Imagine if Gore had have won, how different things would look just for our environment. I know. I know. (laughs) There wouldn't have been the war in Iraq. No. So many things would have changed. And I I think that we're at that same junction now that if one president gets in, we are looking at, you know, we're looking at two very different, US, uh, Americas. We're looking to, you know. And worlds. I mean, if, you know, yeah. they, they reckon we've got 10 years to get, to get climate change it's vaguely under control. And if, if it, I mean, Trump's doing everything he can to remove every restriction. It's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's really terrifying. Yeah. Anyway. I know. And there's nothing but- we can do about it sitting here. 
<laughs> no, except just be grateful that to become prime minister of this country, you have to at least govern at some point in your life. Like mm. that's the one thing I'm grateful for in our political system that um, we still kind of adopt the English-based idea that you need to have some experience. And as we've discovered with this whole pandemic, turns out the states have a lot of power. I mean, yeah, they do. Crazy. <laughs> they can just shut their borders whenever they want. The Prime Minister can't do a thing. Didn't ScoMo get banned from Queensland? Like he's not allowed to go in there. Told he had to isolate before <laughs> the grand final, I think. I love that. Even the Prime Minister's been told by Palaszczuk, get in the bloody Ibis hotel room. And don't talk to anyone for two weeks. Thank you. I love that. And if you'd asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, oh, isn't it all a bit of too much bureaucracy to have states? But now it, we, as, as much spreading <laughs> out of the power as possible, I'm, I'm happy for. I'm really grateful I know. for. But the thing that struck me most about Ruth Bader Ginsburg was her relationship with Marty, her husband. And I mean, like obviously, as I said, all the trailblazing side, the personal side from her is that marriage was just total devotion to each other. And, but, but also his devotion to her career in, in those days, in the 60s and 70s and 50s, mm. was just so extraordinary. Mm. And he got cancer very early on and um, in their relationship, they had a two-year-old. So she took classes for him, took notes, typed up his papers, cared for their two-year-old and made the Harvard Law Review that year, <laughs> which is top 20 of 500 students. There's a letter that she found that you sent me. Oh, God. That, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Marty wrote um, as he lay dying in 2010 and she found it in his bedside and we're going to play it for you now, but fair warning, <laughs> it's, he set me into a bit of a spiral, Michael. Oh, it's devastating. It's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Just. But I also love how she corrects him though. That was my favourite mm-hmm. part. She corrected mm-hmm. when he said, you'll hear, you'll hear. It's true, her, very on brand for her. Have a listen. I found this letter in the drawer next to Marty's bed in the hospital. And it reads, My dearest Ruth, you are the only person I have loved in my life, setting aside a bit parents and kids and their kids. And I have admired and loved you almost since the day we first met at Cornell some 56 years ago. It was wrong about 56, it was nearly 60 years. What a treat it has been to watch you progress to the very top of the legal world. I will be in Johns Hopkins Medical Center until Friday, June 25th, I believe. And between then and now, I shall think hard on my remaining health and life. And consider on balance The time has come for me to toughen out or to take leave of life because the loss of quality now simply overwhelms. I hope you will support where I come out, but I understand you may not. I will not love you a job less. Oh, my goodness. So as Scott and I sat watching the documentary and we we looked at their kind of love affair and how devoted, I could kind of see him recognising a bit of being married to a a force of nature. Yeah. (laughs) And the things you have to – and not that her and I are in any way alike, and I do have a very uncanny way of making things about me, but – 
I did kind of. <laughs> You're both commanding in your own way. <laughs> very, very different methods of holding yeah. that command of attention, but nonetheless. But she said, you know, he lets me be me. And my husband, in the, especially in the last year, has kind of come to terms with that is probably the easiest way for him to live. <laughs> After 20 years together. <laughs> Path yeah, of least but, resistance, just let her, just let her But be. we have, like a month ago, I said to you, I'm really, I'm like, we were fighting heaps. And I said, look, I just don't even know if we're going to survive this. And you very wisely text back, as you often do, you're in the middle of a pandemic, man. Like, let's not make any life decisions now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're very good at that. You're very good. I couldn't and remember I what I said then, but I agree with me. That's you said to me, you're in the middle of a pandemic, everything's very stressful, let's talk about it again when things are back to normal. Um, and, I, and you were right. And then we had our 20-year anniversary and him and I just decided that we were going to start being nicer to each other. That's mm. it. We're just, just going to be nice to each other. And ever since we made that decision, touch wood, our relationship has been the best it has ever been. Oh, wow. I know. It was this simple, conscious decision from two emotionally intelligent people who have had three children, who love each other very much, but who were bickering nonstop mm. to just stop being dickheads. Like it was just this and it has worked. <laughs> I had good um, marriage advice that was just when you wake up in the morning, you think to yourself, I'm, I'm going to commit to this person and be nice to this person for today. Like don't, yes. don't make yourself think this is the rest of my life, this is the rest of my life. Just think I'm just going to focus on today and be a nice, good, committed person to them just yeah. for today. Yeah. And the, the, I got one, I saw something where it said I need to look at him as not an adversary but a teammate. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I, I think I was getting up most mornings and looking at him as like, okay, battle line's drawn, let's go. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Instead of going, okay, we're on a team together, my teammates, you know, feeling a bit low, so what can I do to – honestly, I, I mean, there's lots of other, obviously, underlying issues and shit that we have to deal with in therapy when the time comes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a magic bullet. but No. No, but it, it has worked for us. And and watching that relationship between Marty and Ruth oh. and how enduring it was and how devoted they were. And Scott and I have been together 20 years and, and, I, and I want that to be us in another 20, 30 years. There's no, a I, beautiful moment. It's really early in the doco if you watch it. It's when she's she's having her hearings before she becomes the Supreme Court Justice. Oh. And she's when she does the speech about him and she says, yes. and really early on in the speech she says, I've been supported by my husband. And then there's beautiful close-ups of him listening to this and she's sort oh. of saying, and he always believed that every woman should be able to, you know, live to their full potential and he just can't wipe the smile off his face and he just <laughs> loves her so much. Loves her so much. I have had the great good fortune to share life with a partner truly extraordinary for his generation, a man who believed at age 18 when we met that a woman's work, whether at home or on the job, is as important as a man's. I became a lawyer in days when women were not wanted by most members of the legal profession. I became a lawyer because Marty supported that choice unreservedly. What about the 50th wedding anniversary oh, speech? I know. Oh. God. But it's a big thing. I mean, you know, it, it is an adjustment 
this sort of sounds pathetic, but the fact of the matter is that it is an adjustment for men to be fully supportive mm-hmm. of um, women who in many cases are, you know, are, 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 have a bigger careers than them. It's not something that has happened until quite recently in human mm-hmm. history. I agree. And, I agree. And, you know, and a lot of like there's that syndrome of, you know, the actresses that win Best Actress and there's always a divorce about two years later. Yeah, but not only that, you and I have always spoken about our favourite divas. Oh, can never, can never stay can, in an extended marriage never, except for Dolly. Yes. Oh, except for Dolly, yes. But their marriage is an enigma wrapped in prosciutto. Well, she never. Oh. we don't even know what it looks like. <laughs> we don't even know what it looks like. We don't even know if he's alive. It could it be a could, Weekend at Bernie situation. Weekend at Bernie situation, yes. <laughs> exactly. I have no idea. But I do know that Madonna, uh, Liza, God, the list goes on. Who are Cher? A Cher? She, no, she's not married. No, um, Sunny and then God, yeah, no, nothing yeah. for a while there. I just, it, oftentimes. Actually, Bet, it, Bet has a very good marriage. I think oh, she's true. got a Marty. He's an yeah. intellectual. If, if you can find a Marty and if you're, if you're a firebrand woman and you can find a Marty, I think that it, that's, that's the only way to go. A man who is not emasculated by your success, a man who is excited by your success and a man who wants to be there beside you. And if you haven't initially found him, then play him the doco and expose him to Marty and say, <laughs> this is an option. This is just yeah. an option. Just support yeah, me and be happy. I couldn't have achieved all the things I have achieved without my husband. There is no way. But there's been a fight at times between him and I, and I think a lot of people in lockdown have been experiencing that, whose work is more important, who's going to take the kids. Do you know what I mean? Like it's mm. been this back and forward when we've had three kids at home and both of us trying to work. And we got into this weird competition. That was what most of our fights were about is, no, I need time. No, I need space. No, I need time. And now we we talk about it first. And, like, he says to me, what do you need to get done today? And I'll do it. And he respects that. And then so we, we've actually figured out a system rather than being in competition with each other, we're on the same team. Oh, See well how that works? <laughs> I mean, now I've said it out loud, we, you'll probably get announced next week we're fucking divorcing, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I give it 72 hours. No, I don't. <laughs> it's been a month. It's been a month and, and I, I had a lovely well, There's a lot of good vibes floating around Melbourne at the moment. I just feel oh, like people are ascending. Isn't there? Good vibes. We're like we're, we're sub 20 in all the cases. Yeah. It's like what, today we were 11. Oh, the sun was out. I, I had a delightful surprise day drinking sesh on Sunday. Let's get a little a surprise, surprise day drinking sesh is always welcomed, but I didn't expect it. I'll tell you what happened, right? So It can't have been fully spontaneous, can it? It, it was because I grabbed the, we went and sat outside in the sun on a big yeah. blanket and Scott was playing with the baby and I grabbed the bottle of rosé from the fridge and I it took it outside. It feels like that's a decision, Em, when you no, grab no, the no. bottle of rosé. No, 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 let me tell you. Let okay. me tell you. Right, right. So I took the rosé outside and I said, I'll just have one little nice drink in the sun because I had some stuff to do I had to do in the afternoon. And... Um, in the end, I pushed the cork so far down into the rosé that it got into the rosé, so I had to drink it all before oh, the cork ruined. Of course. You're <laughs> just preserving whole... your investment in the rosé. It wasn't well, about it was... getting drunk in the sun. Correct, because the rosé was very expensive because it was the Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie final run from their vineyard. Mm, how ironic <laughs> that you're having epiphanies about what makes a good marriage as you're literally drinking <laughs> the rosé of the most famous tabloid failed marriage in recent times. Well, I don't know that it's their essences wrung out into a bottle, therefore I'm drinking marital doom. Well, let's hope not. <laughs> it did taste a little did taste a little marital doom when the cork got in there, but I still, like a true champion yeah. and hero, finished that rosé. And then I said to Scott, oh, I'm a bit drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and then we 
had to go. We had to go pick up something from down the street. We had to go put an order in and for dinner and um, oh, Janet Jackson came on in the car, did some singing. I was like, <laughs> I was proper day drunk. One of us is delightfully day drunk and the other is not. And then, oh God, last night, because I'm so old, I'm like, I'm gonna, I had three Panadols. I was hydrating. I went to bed early. I got up in the middle of the night to hydrate. I'm wow. still hungover. I'm so hungover. I'm fucked today. Like, oh my god! I forced myself to go for a run though. Still. Oh well done. That's impressive. I nearly spewed. I nearly spewed. <laughs> do you feel better afterwards, or just a yep. different version of hungover? No, you feel better. Do, That's good. Do you know what I've started doing? This is so dumb, but I'm going to tell you. I started filming videos of myself talking to myself after runs. So. What do you mean? Like a sort of verbal diary, or what? <laughs> Like, I'll get back from a run and I'll go, okay, girl, you just finished your run. You feel good. You're so glad you got out of bed. Now, you're watching this now because you're stuck in bed and you're thinking you don't want to run. Get up and run. So I watch those videos back when I'm lying in bed and I don't want to get up. So I I watch post-pumped-up run M when I'm sad, tired, lazy M. And she – I'm my own motivational speaker. Jesus, it's the personal coaching version of masturbation. It's really impressive. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder whether your videos would work on other people, whether it just needs to come from them. People would be like, shut up, dickhead. Shut up. Stop telling me. This could be an entire (laughs) self-help empire for you. Be your own coach. The M. Rossiano method. And you're allowed to get a, you're allowed to get more abusive with yourself than with another. Oh, person. you can, you can say whatever you want because it's you, <laughs> you, you stupid <laughs> bitch, you lazy <laughs> pathetic bitch. Get up, get up! How dare you be in bed? No, but it it works because whenever I watch other people like, come on, yeah, you're doing well. I'm like, oh, pass me the chips. I hate you. Mm. But when it's me, I'm like, oh, I'm not lying. There I am. I love post-run M. Look at her glow. Look at how happy she is. And I'm all in like my dead skin cells and crusty pyjamas. I'm going to get up and be fresh like her. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah, I suppose she's, she's, she's good. She's, I mean, she, if you can't find her relatable, then you're in trouble. I mean, she's literally you. <laughs> she's just so relatable, that girl yelling at me. And I just feel like as we cruise into the next topic, I feel like it's on brand and in the same theme of let's talk about what's going on with Miley Cyrus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> as we talk about masturbation, we can also and talk about your theory that my marriage aligns with hers. I came in like a wrecking ball. Well, I mean, do, do we want to open that can of worms? But yes, I have often felt. Of course, now that's a failed marriage, so I'm, I'm going st- to dispense with that theory quietly. But you've brought it up. She has released a new song. Yes, um, in which she insinuates that she faked her orgasms with Liam Hemsworth, and I just think, even if she did, do we need to put that to a catchy tune? Do mm. we? I. I'm against it. I'm against humiliating ex-partners for the sake of it. I'm against it. <laughs> You'll do it, but only for a good reason. <laughs> well, I don't think I've ever humiliated no, an ex. you haven't. I mean, I've only had one boyfriend. Really. I feel weirdly defensiveness of um, Liam Hensworth. I feel Me like too. a sort of like uh, almost like a national pride sort of situation. Is that what it is? Is it my Australianness rising up? How? How? 
How dare she make that comment on a, on a fellow Australian? But I just, I think that she's, I'm worried she's on the brink of spiralling again. Mm. You know, and we've been here before with her. We've, I just, I, I feel like she needs to do a little bit more self-reflection. She needs to maybe make a self-pump-up video when she's in a good place. Yeah. To play to spiralling Miley when she's thinking about. You need to share your techniques with her. Well, she's, I mean, she's made music videos that are very upbeat and constructive. Can't she, can't she go back? Look, Miley, put on the climb. <laughs> Listen to those words. <laughs> Seek the higher ground, Miley. <laughs> what a song. Oh, as a side note. What a song. Oh, I don't care. I don't care how many grade six graduations that got played at. It got played at both my girls' grade six graduations and they were five years apart. So that's how enduring that song is. Yeah. Oh, it's one for the ages for sure. Oh. And if you're feeling like you want to go out and party, Miley, don't put on We Can't Stop. Put on Party in the USA. Keep it clean <laughs> and let's just keep it constructive. Oh. Be your own Party coach. in the USA is just feels like it's a different USA though, doesn't it? Oh. Oh. oh, no. But I guess I just want to say to her, oh, babes, come on. Don't shit on Liam. You guys were together for so long. You've been through so much. Just let it be. Yeah. Just move on. He hasn't said a word. He's been super classy, hasn't he? He's been oh, dating totally. models. It, it kind of reminds me of Sydney 2000 Olympics when the American swim team said they were going to crush the Aussies like guitars. But that's yeah. what it stirred in me. And it's like I want the response <laughs> to be, I want, look, I'm just going to permit some woman to come out and say Liam gave me absolute multiple orgasms. It was incredible. <laughs> so many orgasms. <laughs> Australia would salute that response. <laughs> and I believe it's true. I believe there's someone out there well, who's been very satisfied. Marcella was very torn because she is equally devoted, my daughter Marcella, she's equally devoted to both of those humans. She loves Miley because she grew up with Hannah Montana. She loves Liam because she's got eyes and watched The Hunger Games and she doesn't know which way to turn. She's also dealing with the devastation that she was not the waitress in Byron Bay that got to be with Zac Efron. She's, I think, blaming me in some way that we didn't go on our annual Byron Bay pilgrimage. She said, Mum, that could have been me. And to be fair, you did it sometimes float the idea of waiting things out at Byron Bay. Yes. She could have been the Corona Cinderella that was sitting there serving Zach. She is very dirty that she's not the waitress that was serving Zach at the time because Marcella has long loved Zach Efron. And, you know, sure, good luck to that waitress with him. Um, before you go, we do need to discuss. I had a, a, a minor heart attack last night because John Farnham was trending on Twitter. Oh, I know. And as soon as you see the name of someone you love, you oh, you instantly think, oh, my God, what, 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 what? I went through it. I was like, no, no, no. And then I got a text actually from our producer, Tony, and saw that it was because some dickheads had used your the voice um, for an anti-mask rally. And the relief that flooded my body and my person. <laughs> <laughs> to know that John Peter Farnham was intact. <sighs> But oh unfortunately was being tarnished or his legacy was being thrown <laughs> into question by these. So what do they do? What, who were they? It was the anti-lockdown protesters, a, a dwindling number that seemed to get so much media attention. I mean, I even hate that we're giving them media attention. Like, it was literally about 30 people, and this is so <laughs> tragic. They they put their protest at Chadston Coles. I, I can't even, what? I wish I was making that up. They clustered outside what? Chadston Coles and they sang two verses of You're the Voice and then 
quickly run away. And that's the level of our lockdown protests at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing that is shaking me is I do not want John Farnham's musical legacy to be co-opted by nutter conspiracy theorist bogans i i I, I cannot you're the voice is a very important song that belongs to all australians i mean i'm quite frankly surprised i've never received that kind of message from glenn wheatley his manager (laughs) asking me to cease singing and using john farnham songs because that's pretty much all i do every show yeah but you amplified them in the manner in which they are intended (laughs) to be amplified (laughs) true but you're right how did how dare they besmirch our unofficial anthem. How dare you? And I'm glad that because Farnham is, he is notorious. He, he's hidden away. He is a hermit. Flat out, doesn't leave the house, doesn't do interviews, comes out for a Christmas album once a year with Livy and that's about it. <laughs> Occasionally you might get like the Fires Benefit A winery concert, show, yeah. Where he came out and that was spectacular. Yeah. And you'll do maybe a winery show. And the voice you know? is still in top nick because he rests it, clearly. hasn't oh. has barely lost anything. He's a singer. He just wants to get in there and work those pipes. And I respect that. Otherwise, he's fishing for trout on his farm, which I respect also. And he stays out of the political frame mostly, although at the fires he did that beautiful oh. Indigenous duet of You're the Voice, which made me think at the very least yes. he, he's, he's pro-Indigenous recognition in the Constitution and just generally progressive on that front. So that is all the more reason why <laughs> I do not want the far right to take that song. Must not. Cannot. Must not. I'm glad. I'm glad that, that he came out when he normally doesn't enter in and had via his manager, Glenn Wheatley, say, Soz, guys, no, we do not agree with you taking our song. So, good. Oh, it feels right to have spoken about John. I don't think we've touched him once during our entire tenure at Emsolation. Oh, my God, it seems impossible. <laughs> well, he's been pretty quiet, to be fair. It has not been – lockdown has not <laughs> resulted in a lot of John Farnham until now. We're going to be doing Dr. Dilemma. That's coming out Friday. Um, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I, incredibly unqualified I... opinions. <laughs> no, wait. We're, we're the Dilemma Doctors, like Dolly Doctor, but Dilemmas. Okay. Less yeast infections, more petty arguments. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you wouldn't want me to help you with your yeast infection. I could help. I've had a lot of them. Yeah, I, I believe it. <laughs> Why? Is there something particularly yeasty about me? I just feel like, no, it just feels like a lot of your comedy is drawn towards issues in that area. And uh, so I feel like it's just a part of the human body that you have fully explored <laughs> the ups and the downs. Uh, lots, of, It's very common. Like, and I told my girls from the get-go, if you ever get an itchy vag, let mummy know. I've got canister on tap. See, there we go. You, I knew it. That's it. Because thrush is such a thing that it doesn't get spoken about because it's apparently embarrassing. But for me, I, I was an athlete and I had a lot of lycra there, which isn't very – a breathable fabric. And so, yeah, I'd probably get a, a decent yeasty once a month. So, you know, you gotta, you got to be on top of that shit. you got to look after her. She's got some important work to do at some stage. <laughs> I just want to say to the listeners, this is not what the advice is going to be. Strictly interpersonal dilemmas. <laughs> Although she will help you out privately if you want to reach out. No, I or will publicly. not. publicly. But I just want to say... Teach your daughters that yeasties aren't embarrassing. Just treat them straight away. Don't let them get to the point where it's running down your legs to your knees. All right. <laughs> On that note, Thank God, you so we've much. gone from wet lips to <laughs> yeast infections. <laughs> anyway, beautiful. Woohoo! All right, talk soon. Bye. Bye. 
This is Emsolation. All right, well, that's it. Thank you so much for lending me your ears. And Michael, of course, our very first episode of The Dilemma Doctors is coming your way on Friday. We're going to be helping James out with a gift-giving dilemma. We're getting some great ones in. If you would like Michael and I to solve, I say solve very loosely, your dilemmas. And it's, look, it can be as petty as you want. There's no such thing as petty in my eyes. The pettier the better. You can email hello at mrussiano.com and Michael and I will tackle your dilemma in a special edition of the podcast. Every Friday it's going to come out for as long as we do it. <laughs> we never know how long things are going to last till we lose interest or until we stop getting your dilemmas. So if you want to get involved, email us there. And, um, you know, let's chat again on Thursday, shall we? Have a great week. See you soon. <laughs>